Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Hello, Marlo. Steve's here. Zibbity doodah. It's my new call in. That's right. You're a big star. I'm a big star. Yeah. Well, welcome everyone to Pinko Commie Sluts. We're all here. Um, but most importantly, yes, Steve Collett, you're here. You had a whole write up on you yep. essentially this week. How did that feel? I hate it. <laughs> no, I. Mean- I- it is so annoying. I plan on talking a lot about why I hated it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a very low bar for these things. It at least sounded like it, it was... Okay, what's happening over there? Sorry, I uh, placed my phone down on the table, <laughs> and I guess it made a loud sound. <laughs> so, back to... The important stuff, Steve. Uh, <laughs> no, it did feel like it was about you. Yes. Um, a, a stranger's impression of you, of course, but it was at least like had a semblance to you. Whereas I've known other people who've gotten write-ups where I'm like, who is this motherfucker they're talking about? Including myself. Uh, not, I've never had anything that extensive, but like... Yeah, it was like 10,000 words. It was, yeah, it was long. It was long, boy. Um, I want to hear your guys' impressions, though, of the content before I get into my feeling. I guess I'll go first since I'm not in it. <laughs> I'm not in it either. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> That's the fiction we maintain. I'm not in it either, Bunny. Well, no. a, a simulacrum of myself, isn't it? Steve's in it. No, they <laughs> mention your name. Yeah, they but my name is not me. Name. Not me. He yes, it is. is. That is that glorious head of hair you have, which that was accurate. described in detail at least twice, much <laughs> to my enjoyment. Uh- <laughs> Dude, you should totally use those quotes and also that photograph for album purposes. Oh, but yes, um, which is true. I want it known. Uh, it is true. Steve's got beautiful hair, like yeah. special, above average, beautiful hair. It's Sebastian a- Bach level. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, if you meet Steve, you've got to write about it. So, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> only takeaway. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Of course, it was a, again, a stranger who was also focused on, you know, uh, it wasn't just about Steve in general. Of course, it was about your experience uh, working for the Epoch Times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like that it felt about you. I did feel like there was some judgment from the author of the piece. Um, but it, yeah, <laughs> uh, it felt very much to me like a, a very young person i mean obviously he's not it was it a he or she i don't know he oscar obviously he's not aware of class <laughs> uh he seemed to talk about that aspect of things as if it was just some like weird shit you were <laughs> you were getting into now almost uh instead of a serious thing. Also, he seemed young to me. Yeah, he was very Um, green. Yeah, seemed young, seemed like, oh, well, yes, uh, Steve with the great hair. I I hear what you're saying, but me, myself, I would have done everything differently and on only my moral principles, Mm -hmm. uh, which I kind of got that vibe (laughs) from the piece as well. Like, that he wasn't sympathetic to 
the fact that there's not just a million jobs out here. <laughs> like you get a singular job that pays you on time. <laughs> Marla, did you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was pretty informative and I mostly have a good impression of it. However, I do see the complaints you have. Well, admittedly, if you were in it, Marlo, you come out looking pretty cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> that one Martin character was the shit. Highlight of the fucking Popping article. Bottles, uh, our, our mutual friend named Boris... That's what we're calling him. Uh, said that the least truthful part, or the least believable part about Martin's interaction in the piece was that it was only the second bottle of wine that we were on the night of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I got like four uh, Charles Shaw's that night, and I know we ordered a uh, pizza from that one place. So it was nice. I do remember very distinctly the quote, God damn it, I don't want to have to see Donald Trump's face for the next four fucking years. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd say. Yes, but to piggyback on Bunny's noted criticism, I thought that the piece itself was at war with itself, um, or it was in conflict, in, in contradiction to itself. And they set it up in the first part, like the last line of the first part is when they quote me saying that there is no objective truth or journalism, but it's all propaganda. Um, and then he ended the piece on whining about the erosion of truth. Yeah. How people, uh, you know, don't believe the media anymore. And here's this guy who got duped into doing this. And it seemed like the content all seemed in service to that contradiction. Like he had this liberal idealist, you know, way in which truth is presented as fact and objective. And mm -hmm. me saying that almost seemed profane or sacrilegious, like it was breaking some you know, covenant, really. Like I wasn't, I wasn't sipping from the well of truth or I was spreading the news that truth was dead. Yeah, um, journalists and comedians are the most self-important people in the world. Yeah. Who yeah. aren't lawyers. Actually, lawyers <laughs> have at least a level of self-loathing but yeah. Oh, well, well, oh, excuse me. Comedians don't have a level of <laughs> self-loathing. Yeah, but you have this like notion that you're like these brave truth tellers in a like world that's the only one who's brave is uh, Borat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a narrative that's out there. Uh, I've always liked to make a bit of fun. If somebody, because people have come up to me and told me I am brave. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, just. Yep, naturally brave over here, uh, talking on a stage like I, you know, um, well, shouldn't I? I personally believe anyone who exists as a woman in this society is brave. Oh, so that's, that's just a me. correct answer. That's yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah. But like, like, but what the fuck does erosion of truth mean? No, I don't know. <laughs> How the can you erode that? something that you believe is constant? What? He said that. And he said that. Yeah. The oh, uh, I guess there's truth and it's eroding. But how can something that's objectively constant and uh, just exists, how can it erode? Well, see, this, like, like journalists believe themselves to be scientists. They believe themselves to be scientists. They use this scientific method at coming to facts and you know what else what? fuck scientists yeah no okay fuck scientists. it's all just people but, <laughs> but like this is this is the the issue is that they think that if they talk to a biden supporter and they talk to a trump supporter that that they'll synthesize those two truths to them believing the objective truth of who's going to win the election and like like the example in here is they got the name of the fucking book wrong. Like mm. they got the name of my second poetry book, uh, Songs for Gaia. They called it, I think, uh, like Words for Gaia or or Titles for Gaia or whatever the the fuck they they miss. Like okay, so 
like details I know are not important. And the fact checker called me and asked me if it was the correct title and I corrected her and she apparently did not correct the final published form. But my point is that like truth is always editorialized. You know, facts are like things that people say via telephone, a game's telephone. The issue is, is that you're speaking to a conversation that is on another level than where a lot of people are even comfortable at because they need to cling to something. Well, yes. Faith and is a fact. Yes. No, that's what I was getting at is it's very, um, like a very Kierkegaardian thing to believe in objective truth. You have to have this this leap of faith in order like you can get through the science of talking to everybody in a room to find out who you know who killed mr green in what room but like you can talk to all the people and you can consult security cameras but like who's going to be the objective truth in the matter is is a matter like believing in that objectivity is part of this extra step you need to take um and and like this believed in this Oscar fellow um, believed in an objective truth and uh, didn't like that I didn't and used my story to showcase how um, we should mourn over the death of truth in our society because I don't know. Is that also indulgent, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's exactly what he. Yeah, it's exactly kind of uh, what he thinks he's criticizing. Right, right, uh, exactly, exactly. He he contradicts himself within his own argument, arguing for objective truth. Like, he's arguing on behalf of objective truth through this very subjective ideological lens. And it is mind-numbing to read and things that, like, I was, um, you know, duped into participating in the fucking 20 hours of interviews you did with me. Um, well, it was in depth. It was in depth. Um, I mean, I had inklings that this was going to happen throughout time talking to him. The the one the instance uh, that really took me off was when he said, he asked me what's the message I wanted the readers to get from this piece. What's the overall, like, what message did I want to impart to them? Like at the end of an Aesop's fable, there's, you know, this mm -hmm. um, lesson at the end. What's the lesson that I wanted them to learn from my story? And my, my answer was to uh, fight the everyday fascist, the fascism of the everyday. And to not just say that Trump is a fascist and we should vote against him, not just say... X, Y, and Z are these political abstractions, but like sometimes it's the uh, the Chinese lady on the street corner handing out newspapers. Sometimes it's uh, uh, I don't know your parents or your police officers or your figures of authority um, that are in your everyday that you need to be cognizant of the creeping sides of fascism within this very far right um, society. And he, he turned to me and said, but you didn't do that when you were working at the Epoch Times. You stayed in the newspaper. And I'm like, that's not the point at all. I was a worker. Do you not know what a worker is? Do you not know what working for a company is? Yeah, I mean... Well, and also, it's easy for right now to look back yeah. and be like... Oh, you should have been like, fucking get I'm out of here, man. I see where this is going. But no, I, like, I couldn't because you couldn't. material conditions. I knew what I was in. Like, Marlo can attest to that. I knew very mm -hmm. who I was writing for and what I was writing about. So that there was no other fucking jobs. Like, what am I going to do? Like, leave this job after three months, my first gig in the industry and but that's what he would want you to do that is what um, he pressed me as to why i didn't do it and i'm like dude have you never worked in your life well yeah where does the money come from basically man it is it's there was a, a dearth <laughs> a dearth of class consciousness in the piece 
Um, it seemed like he identified the alienation of working for somebody that didn't align with you politically and for writing about things that didn't align with you politically, but he had no grasp of what was alienating about that. Like he just acknowledged that there was an alienation, that there was a disconnection, and, and like I coped with it in different ways, which I also found pretty insulting. But that that I somehow used intellectual sleights of hand to. Oh, he did use that phrase exactly. Just like vulgarly stupid to say. Why you used intellectual sleights of hand to justify this article, Oscar? If you're listening right now. You did, just as I did. And he viewed me as an other, which was perhaps the most insulting part. You would think that a journalist would view you, you know, as a comrade or as a somebody struggling the same struggle media. So I, you know, I hated it. Like, it was good if you were looking for a, an exposition or, you know, an in-depth dive into what I did. But I thought the overall message of the piece, it, it, it just wasn't good. It wasn't a good message. <laughs> it was uh, crying about the erosion of objectivity. Yeah. Um, well, but that's very much what a subset of people want to cry about right now, right? Like and that's they do. What they want to blame things on. And it's that. It's not that this guy's a, a fascist <laughs> and blah blah blah. It's uh, that oh, this darn erosion of truth. Because it, that I hate this assumption that if everybody just had access to good objective information then everyone would make the right choice yeah and it's not true uh, there are different <laughs> that, material interests that different groups have yeah and that is um quantifiable and uh something you can look at right what the material interests are but everybody wants to turn it into intangibles well ideals uh, they want to view it as battle of ideas and the ones with the best most objective truths wins the battle of the ideas and those are the people well, and then they like suck dick about this idea of the person, this noble person who sacrifices themselves for truth, objectivity, integrity, all these easy ideals to have when you're writing a movie script. <laughs> easy to apply retroactively to other people and circumstances you weren't in. But also it's turning it into an intangible instead of, despite possibly Oscar's best efforts, you did say enough times. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to pay rent. <laughs> I didn't want to skip meals. <laughs> so it's in there. It's in there. It's um, like buried beneath the, the haze of but people think that's bullshit. That's the problem. Everyone's a fucking asshole who is conditioned. It's very cynical. It's very cynical. It's very cynical, but it's also this conditioning that says uh, you calling attention to your material conditions during that time is no, 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 don't focus on that. It was a brief period. It was temporary. It was because of this. It was because of that. Instead of, you know, getting actually coldly intellectually detached and saying, hmm, what are the material conditions and how how free are people to choose in in these circumstances, which boggles my mind. These people talking about their objective truth and they don't even actually go for it. <laughs> they go for like a facsimile that's really made up of superhero parts and bullshit. I, again, I go back to like, what is what is the erosion of truth? Uh, what is the truth in the first place that they are viewing, viewing as being eroded? <laughs> and and the, the truth that I think that they're talking about is the ability for people to look in a nonpartisan, apolitical, generally, I mean, it's the same song and dance that every journalist has ever, journalistic bullshit that has always been, which is um, interview as many people as possible, 
uh, from as, diff- as many different perspectives. Um, and at the end of it, you will have the m- as close to the um, most objective truth to it. And if you don't do that, and if you interview too many people on one side of the issue that say one thing, and you don't interview the people that say the other thing, then there's this erosion of truth that if you only talk to people who think Trump is going to win the election, regardless of how many of these people actually exist, it's all about having both sides, right? It's all about having this and then the opposite, this and the opposite, because we we were horny for a binary. And the the problem, and the problem, and the the thing is, is that it it does it to itself. The liberal notion of truth, this idea that we need to talk to these uh, binary, um, that that well, is what erodes the truth. That, well, and it's also a fiction that makes well-off liberals feel yeah, good. Yeah, it's a middle-class project. More than any. It's a middle-class yeah. yeah. project. I, I remember when I was a child and like the Daily Show first moved to basic cable. And um, so, yeah, it was like right after 9-11. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, man, John Stewart has him like he, he said one thing and then like he said another thing. John Stewart did it. He can't keep doing this. And he obviously George Bush could keep doing that. And there's no problem with that. But I thought that at the time. But also I was a child. <laughs> yeah, the, the and, see will change things. Yeah. But I also feel like this came up in my experience in the 2006, covering the 2016 election, when there, okay, for instance, on MSNBC, there wasn't anybody representing the Trump campaign on MSNBC or CNN for that matter. Like they had Lewandowski as the only guy. Remember him? He was great. Like beat up journalists came too close to the president. And for some reason, they just didn't want him on the network and they didn't want they banned Kellyanne Conway for telling too much untruth. And uh, I love Kellyanne Conway's untruth. um, And then so that, you know, this like this bubble of truth wouldn't let these people that were spouting untruths, which you know, some of them are, you know, like they're not quite accuracies, but they're heavily editorialized um, facts and very partisan uh, positions to take. And they're oftentimes, you know, fudging numbers. And um, and then, like, eventually they got on the networks. Actually, there there was a Trump person on all of these networks and eventually they let them on because they won. They won. Yeah the election now they're on the arguing with people who are the truth holders and the truth holders always dismiss them as you know cranks or crazies or um frankly you know eroders of truth and uh but like they did it to themselves this this both sides um scientificifying of the truth or of journalism it's done it to itself the well, it's also is a, idealizing uh, this idea of civility, yes. right? It's also where we've seen Democrats put some sort of play of civility over any kind of actual progress. <laughs> it's a sickness. It's an addiction. It's a um, brain disease, uh, yeah. it, which is like, you know, like faith. And like religion, it's, you know, also brain diseases that you need to make a leap. Well, you can have it. You can, you can be aware that it's a brain disease and say, I'm going to make this brain disease work for me. I mean, I guess you could argue a lot of these people do. Uh- <laughs> well, they make careers off of it. They make careers. They write books about it. They complain about it endlessly in articles about me. There's no reflection on... Um, what conditions the the erosion of truth happened under and what well also when was this time where everybody had the truth who was showing the truth at all woodward and bernstein like woodward and bernstein no i agree with that yeah they love they love this idea of a man who is a Republican in his private life uh, was so committed to truth that he took down 
a Republican president. But they forget the aspect of that story that uh, Nixon was a Quaker and he fucking hated Quakers. I made that up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I still stand by the basic premise of the article that I put, um, that there is no difference between the news and propaganda. That objectivity is about who has power. That's the quote that I give. I feel like people used to know this. I feel like I read a Chomsky book about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Named propaganda. Like that should be something that people take for granted, but they always like other that concepts like you know, like FT is propaganda because it's run by the, you know, it's got the material interests of the Russian government. RT, RT. Yeah. Um, and financial times is also propaganda, but. Yeah, yeah FT, uh, RT. What's the one, in the, the Cuban one? Like state, they, they always oh, say, yeah. State-run governments are the ones that propaganda machines because they're funded by the state itself. But you know who doesn't have any materials and things uh, in the media? Corporations. <laughs> and the free press um, has nothing to do with the corporations that fund it. The corporations are actually more objective than any state could possibly be. And none of their material interests... Um, are represented in any of the coverage. Also, you know, the general like CIA or like general intelligence services that just populate, I assume, the hallways of MSNBC. Like third that comes on to talk in MSNBC is just an intel- former intelligence like crank. Brennan, who else? All these like they're either ex-Bush people or, or they're... Um, like ex-FBI informants. And, you know, I'm sick of being told that these people are somehow not beholden to their material interests. Um, I hate that uh, CNN is like, oh, yeah, let's normalize having Rick Santorum here. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just a comment in a way, and he looks like a little little paper mache version of his former self. Um, not in um, any ways uh, representing the asshole yeah. of his yesteryears. I know. Um, Those were the days. I think John Kasich is now MSNBC contributor, um, and he's objective. He's about as objective as they get. But my favorite's always Steve Schmidt, the cue ball of a man mm-hmm. haunted by Sarah Palin. Yeah. Anyways, that's my rant about. Uh, go check it out. It's uh, called Stranger Than Fiction. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, at dot or uh, I don't even know. Yeah, might not be worth your time. I wouldn't read it. Um, who I just gave of it. <sighs> I mean, if you want to know a lot about Steve's hair. Yeah, and a picture in black and white for some goddamn reason. Because it looks fucking there's cool a, as shit, dude. There's more than one photo in that piece of you. Of, of in black and white. I, yes, The decisions... Ariel was like this... Whoever decided to hire this um, cameraman was awful. Yeah. Pictures yeah. are not good. Yeah. Pictures are not good. I think they were like mysterious and like pretty badass, like a like a Brit pop uh, liner notes in the nineties, <laughs> like the Oasis. Uh, like like you open them up and there's like Wonderwall uh, lyrics there. Oh my god! Yeah. I have an activity to do now. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they look cool. I mean, I've never seen Oasis liner notes, but I imagine that's what they look like. <laughs> no, they, they just have the uh, the two brothers fighting in them. Yeah. Yeah. The brothers war with them just doing like chicken dance. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Uh, I thought it was all right. I'd read it. <laughs> yeah. I told people to read it. So I stand by it. But also, you know how it is. People don't get it. Nobody Um, understands me is really the message I want to get. Yeah. 
Two days yeah. gonna be the day. Something I'm gonna come day. back to you. Yeah, whatever. However, that song goes, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know how that song. Well, what else did you guys do this week? Did you all watch? Nah, that, that makes me uncomfortable. I saw it twice. Uh, I I liked it very much. Uh, <laughs> it was very good. That's surprisingly yeah. amazing. I'll watch it a third time. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your favorite part? Um, I really liked the fertility dance. Best part. Yeah, one of the best. I, I really loved uh, the girl uh, who plays Borat's daughter. Yeah. Real. Uh, she was. She She's really from Bulgaria. It. I know because yeah. my brother-in-law is Bulgarian, and he says so. Oh yeah. Well, that's what you do. Especially if, if you're from the Balkans, you keep track yep. of who's who. Who's making it? Which one that you can claim? I'm just glad it wasn't another fucking Albanian. <laughs> Jesus I, Christ. Okay, I love the scene. <laughs> She's sitting down with the doctor for the uh, plastic surgery. Yeah. And uh, they're talking about giving her a nose job. And uh, what does she say, Bunny? She's like, is there something wrong with my nose? Do I look like a Jew? <laughs> <laughs> and so and the, and the doctor turns to her and goes, "No, yeah. you have a you have a small nose." And they high five, and and Sasha Baron Cohen goes, "Yes, because sometimes they have." And he starts doing these large bumps, like trunk bump trunk, and he starts reaching around the side, and you just look at her face, and she is cracking up. She can. Hold it together, <laughs> and, and the doctor just goes, "Yeah, some of them are like that." <laughs> it was surprisingly endearing yeah. as a movie, um, more so than the first one, I think. Way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. More way sentimental. More. Um, the Giuliani's, Giuliani scene was a big disappointment. Yeah, ah. it's uh, it's not that. Scandalous. You know, it's not that scandalous. Uh, he definitely was um, tucking in his shirt. <laughs> he was not touching himself. Um, at least not egregiously. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a really good PR move, though. Like, I did it to the Borat people. Oh, yeah. they, they just put that on the front page of, like, the New York Post. Well, and uh, there was quite a bit that didn't make it into the movie. Um, the woman who played uh, Tutar, she got like hooked up with OAN and uh, like got access to the White House without any security clearance at all. Um, that, yeah. was, that was really yeah. impressive. She to was me. good. Like, that's the long con right there. They must have had her embedded as a YouTube channel. I mean, I guess, like, who am I to say? Like, whatever. I've worked for fake news and fake, like, three or four interviews, and then you'll get invited by OAN to go meet the president. I guess that's how it works if you're, like, a beautiful blonde woman without a Jew nose. Um, Who's wait, interviewing wait. people from a far right perspective? Yeah, but what she's doing is uh, what Sasha Baron Cohen established as Borat does so well, which is this commitment to this character is so strong that people go with it, yeah. and. Um, all, and all she has to do is be kind of flattering and starstruck. Um, and it gave her an air of vulnerability. And they were like, yeah, <laughs> come on. Do you have a, do you have a favorite um, person they interviewed? Oh, man. I really, honestly, I really enjoyed uh, the... Well, I already said the fertility dance, but I enjoyed. Um, there's a girl in yes. that, like, yes, 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 yes. You're fucking so gross. They're like, yeah, sure. Her, they're like goading hit her dad. He's like, "How much you think my daughter worth?" And like, he's like five hundred dollars. 
which <laughs> insulting. Uh, <laughs> but it causes his daughter to be like, you're fucking gross. You're fucking gross. Um, gross. <laughs> There's, you know, unfortunately, uh, the song of this one is not as catchy as uh, Throw the Jew Down the Well. Yes. Uh, wait, no, but um, I love the uh, song. Was- um. Inject them with the Wuhan flu. Inject them with the Wuhan flu. That was a a good scene. And chop them up like the Saudis do. Khashoggi. Khashoggi style. Yeah. That's for your people. people. The The journalists. journalists. Oh, no. I've written a blog. They're going to get me, too. Iran's coming after me. Saudi Arabia. (laughs) I, I was making a joke. I wouldn't be writing against... Saudi Arabia's interests because they're the good guys. Be writing we want to make it clear. I- Iran's interests um, we're, in service we're, we're to Israel. <laughs> in service to Israel. <laughs> uh, Saudi Arabia is fighting with Turkey and they replaced all the Turkish oh, yeah, markets that. with Greek versions. We never got to talk. We need a response though, Bunny, to Hassan. Oh, about the Turkish versus yes. Greek food. It was, first of all, I I don't need to watch a 20-minute video of someone talking in Turkish for half Already minute. offensive to her. There's too many, too many, no, uh, too many, but there, there were some food takes that were just like, based on, uh, I'm like, what, the Greek food... Has he gotten just mall Greek food before? Hassan's a himbo, uh-huh. um, and after this, we were yeah, we were we is. were friends, but now now we're not. Now we're now we can't be friends because he insulted the Greeks too much. Someone's uh, got to put those I mean, island people in their place. I mean, um, yeah, I mean that is true. We not we don't have any clocks on the islands. <laughs> <laughs> As a podcast, <laughs> someone's got to. Someone's gonna come in and tell us what. As a podcast, we were once friends with Hassan, but from a distance because he is Turkish. No matter um, how cool or attractive he may or may not be, Uh, I want to establish that again. I I support the Turks in all their endeavors. (laughs) Okay, so Marlo's on the side of the Turks. I bet you're on the side of me getting hustled the other night from a fake Greek restaurant. They sent me. Canned, canned dolma when they said they had real stuffed grapevine leaves with beef and the whole thing. Just like he talks about. Can you, prefer- can you curse him? Can you curse him leaves. out in Greek? Can we send it no, to him? All my, no, because uh, I feel like all the all the real good like rolling curses I know are also homophobic. Well, surely there's like <laughs> Greek specific curses for Turkish Turks, people. yeah. Just get racist with it. But it's not racist because, like, you're... It's the, in another language. Yeah, one, and, and two... The only racist language is American. <laughs> and two, compared to the Turks, the Greeks are the POCs. Yeah, that that is true. That is a true... I know I you do. stand by me, Bunny Themelis. Uh I sign my name to that uh, every day. Um, I don't. I don't feel like it's a curse out. It's a curse out. He was, he was speaking in Turkish against your people. He was shitting on on Greek food, which I will say, being seventy five thousand people being down in South Jersey, I fucking miss like decent fucking Greek food. I know you. You guys should I all mean, come to Yaya's. Yaya's. I really like Opa Opa's mm-hmm. in Astoria. That's always been my jam. Well, we got our Opa Opas and our Yeah Yeahs in Bushwick. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, if you want, if you're ever in Baltimore, anybody, <laughs> <laughs> the best place is Samos, the original Samos. It's still cash only, but that's where you go. Mm. Is that in Greektown? Yeah, I need a basket of sure fucking is. smelts. Like, I cannot get that shit here. I can't, can't get the, get the smelts. smelts. I, I miss smelts so goddamn much. The way their skulls crunch under your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking miss smelts. 
Yeah, no, you can get like some okay hummus and shit, but like that's basically it. Well, and I also don't like when people act like gyros, gyros are uh, like what we'd make somebody in our home. <laughs> Wait. It's a it's a diaspora street food. That's right. You were gonna say it was imperialistic uh, too. That that yeah. he was being like how, a he was being a bad he, leftist. No, he whole, was being a bad leftist. This is this is my entire issue with their entire thing. <laughs> if you're truly committed, you look at this through an anti-imperialist lens, and any relation between these foods that people claim as each Turks and Greeks claim, oh, we made yogurt. You know, it's it's uh, every day on Twitter, uh, this eternal struggle. Um, it's fucked up. If we're talking about a successful imperialist force that controlled these areas for hundreds of years through oppressive and violent means. So fucking seed us the food and if you if you're about it, that's what I say. Um Yeah, the official stance uh, of this podcast except for me is Greeks are POC and my official stance is <laughs> God save Erdogan. No, you also think they're POC. Oh yeah, no, I and, think they're POC but, like but in a bad way. <laughs> and also, Erdogan is the savior of Central Asia. Erdogan. Or Western Asia. I don't know. Some part of Asia. Yeah. Or some might right. say Western Europe. Asia. Yeah. He'd say Europe. He loves to talk about yep. that bit. Look, listeners, like if there's one thing you take That's away is uh, please, please support Turkey's bid for EU membership. <laughs> that is the one thing that this podcast stands for above all other things. Yes, above all other things. We want Turkey yep. to be an EU member. You don't like it, you're racist. Oh, man. But yeah, so I do think, I do, I mean, there is a part of me that thinks uh, it is kind of a weird um thing I see because it's not like the Ottoman Empire was hundreds of years ago. <laughs> it was yeah, but like years honestly, ago. it was so uh, shitty a hundred years ago. They still were doing yeah, a genocide. I don't know. I just feel so, like I, mean, I think if it was gonna countries, what, do we have, hate empires? Do we? These are the reasons we don't like empires. Well, I'm a Luxembourgist. I say that uh, national self-determination is a liberal uh, fantasy. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not making a pro-nationalist argument by <laughs> pointing out that you can't act like... Yeah, well, only- I'm just saying, like, if you guys were, like, smart like Egyptians, you would have just been like, yeah, we're not a part of your empire anymore and you don't you can't do anything about it you know but the the turks don't have a deep uh a deep abiding hatred yeah because the egyptians the told them to like the same way fuck they off do in the 1600s Greeks, and, and Armenians. the ottomans were like okay i guess if we just yeah well i mean it's seriously the dumbest fucking empire that's ever existed and if you were under their bootstraps i'm saying that's kind of your fault i want oh um so the ottoman empire is the dumbest empire that functional empire and that includes the holy roman the holy roman was just Stupid. Yeah, but like the like Ottoman Germany. was somehow dumber. They, they're like, hey, what if we just? How can you? How can you call yourself a pro-Turk uh, Erdogan supporter? I, and have I don't know. My Ottoman ideas Empire? aren't. Consistent. They love. They. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Is it dumber though than the Austro-Hungarian? Yes. Yeah. No. The Ottoman. I mean, the Austro-Hungarian were just broke up into like 
two. No, there were two kingdoms united under one kingdoms. crown. Uh, but yeah, no, the the Austro-Hungarians like were stealing shit from the Ottoman Empire the whole time because it was like seriously, you could just go to the Empire and be like, "Hey, do you have like some mustard on your shirt?" And it'll look down, and then you flick its nose up, and you can like take part of the Balkans that way. Um, you know who we should laud here, except for Marlo or wait, Marlo's pro or anti-Ottoman Empire. I can't keep. He thinks the Ottoman they Empire were, well, stupid. Oh, incredibly, they were just like, oh, let's make our elite soldiers some slaves. And then the soldier slaves are like, yeah, we're going to like just run Egypt from now on. And they're like, okay. Well, you know who single-handedly brought down the Ottoman Empire? Like, you know, by himself as a white man. T.E. Lawrence. Yeah. You know, single-handedly. He just led all the brown people to destroy the Ottoman Empire. Oh, let's be Muslim, but we all kind of drink and it doesn't matter. You know, the worst fucking empire. Like just- and, Alec- and Alec Guinness was there, too. Yeah. What? Okay, so uh, what's the best empire? No, I don't know. Mongolian? You can't. Yeah, I mean, that was very briefly an empire. Um... Oh gee, I don't. I guess it was an empire because he was the emperor. I guess. I guess Japan because like the emperor is a god, so that's got to be cool. Um, nah, I don't know. I don't really like and, any and something with an and something with the name Gay uh, brought down the Japanese empire. Yeah, Gay. Well, they can't react right then. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what empires I like. Come to think of it. I guess the short-lived times that Hades baselessly called itself an empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Haiti has all. There have been multiple emperors of Haiti, um, based on nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Jean, Mult, multiple emperors of Haiti. Jean Jacques Dessalines are uh, Jacques the First Emperor of Haiti. I'll go with that one. What's your favorite empire, Bunny? Um, the Greek. I mean, it's got a. What, there was no Greek empire. <laughs> the Aegean Sea. <laughs> I guess the the uh, Hellenistic empire. Not the Byzant the Byzantines or I'm sorry, Roman. I mean the Byzantines. Oh no, I we never say Roman uh, as Greeks. We never want to be confused with the West religiously. So. Yeah, we always say Byzantine, um, and there's always an emphasis that they spoke Greek in the Byzantine Empire. Yeah, there's a Wikipedia commonly. page of list of empires. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Um, Assyria, Syrian Empire. Oh, well, there's cool. the Assyrian Empire. Mm-hmm. Assyria. I mean, I think I'm going to be basic and say like uh, the proper Roman Empire. Just oh, because yeah. it Rome was a shithole, and then it became this like grandiose, like ridiculous place, and then like people who were leading it were just so crazy and interesting. First and Empire of Haiti. We and we know we know so much about it too. Uh, so I think I'm biased in that regard. Like we have so much access to the modernities of political intrigue in ancient Rome. So that would be my favorite. Also, um, it's like removed enough and yet the basis for the modern era. I'll say, um, well, I mean, uh, my well, ironically, my favorite would be the probably the German Empire. Um, German Empire? It was only one. <laughs> and it was from 1886 to 1918. 1871, um, wasn't it? 1871, yeah. Uh, I don't know. German unification always seemed fascinating because they were like late to the game as far as like nation building went. And then it all went to shit real quick. Like really fast over the course of one generation. Um, they were like, oh, let's you know, have all these weird Germanic giant people, I assume, like come together under the banner of Germanic empire and then like let's fuck the rest of the world um and then collapse and uh leave the conditions for the uh you know 
next uh what's his name again um but yeah german german unification has always been fascinating because bismarck was um an asshole and they had like so many states too they were like i mean it wasn't city states was it it was just yeah, like, it was like regions. Form, yeah it was former former uh like duchies and sub kingdoms and shit like that um yeah it wasn't really a unified it was like mixture of Parts of it were Catholic, but a lot of it was Lutheran. Yeah, it was various feudal polities that were in the Holy Roman Empire until Napoleon ended the Holy Roman Empire. And then they were in the uh, right, Federation yeah. of the Rhine, and then later the German League. And then. And that was the section that they lost after the war that pissed them off so much, the Rhine. No, no, that's all Saison Lorraine. Saison Lorraine. Yes. This has been history with Marlo. I, I of course, know all of my German history through great works of theater. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so if it didn't happen in uh, Mutterkorn... Ooh, the Median Empire. It's going to be a fun one. The first Iranian Empire. Um, mm. All right. What are we going to talk about next? Oh, there's something happening next week. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. Um, I mean, we're going to have one more episode, but we're like a week out of the election. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, uh, all right. I've been watching Captain and the Game Master for some fucking reason. Well, I watched oh, yeah, so the Gambit. Oh. I've been rewatching Waco. Yeah, fun. I did that at the start yeah. of the pandemic. Mm, that's a good one for pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah, everyone's inside. They're all inside. It's a lot of inside. Oh, oh, oh also there was. Um, I just watched Witches, the new one. Oh, yes, the new one set in 1630. Um, yeah, it's in. Oh. Uh, like it's it's in 1630, like Jamestown or outside of a plantation. They get kicked out by the pilgrims and this family. Um, you know, gets killed one by one um, by a witch. Mm. Or, but uh, Marlo, I wanted to recommend if you haven't seen it already, uh, Mandy. What? Which one's Mandy? Yeah, Mandy is like Turbo Kid with Nicolas Cage. Okay, interesting. Um, it is kind of surreal. Not quite. It's set in 1983 and. Um, Nicholas Cage is, is, is in love or married with, to this woman and they're living in the backwoods and then an evil cult, Jesus cult with a cult leader comes in and, you know, devil shit happens. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I remember. Nicholas, and Nicholas Cage goes all wicker man. Yeah, yeah, and I remember uh, Red Letter Media did a thing on this. He is amazing in it, and it just reminds me of you because it is that kind of, like, 80s pastiche of, like, Turbo Kids, but not as fun, but darker, and it's got these long scenes with colors that are very dreamlike, um, and I think you would like it. All right. Well, probably. It's little, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's gory. And yeah, it's like, that's the thing. I don't really like gory shit. But it's like turbo kid gore. It's like... Oh, okay. All right. It's then, like... Yeah. It's over the top kind of like Nicolas Cage being crazy. Or, uh, with a giant sword that he makes for himself. Um, and then he has to go fight the evil cult. It's great. Word. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I, re- I remember uh, they did it on half half in the bag when it came out, and I didn't think that I particularly liked the movie, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, well, I like it, but I also like yeah, like I I don't like slasher movies, cults. you know. This isn't as much of a slasher movie as it is like evil cult movie but with a lot of horror elements to it like i i would not want to see uh midsummer or uh that other one that he did that everyone likes better uh hereditary yeah yeah this is 
Well, hereditary is like a lot scarier. Yeah, yeah anyway. Yeah. I no, love I mean, I'm, it sounds good. Uh, I, I'm not but, saying it's not good. I just, uh, shit makes me uncomfortable. I just recommend it if you want to, like, do a Halloween movie that's, like, not scary and more campy, but also plus Nicolas Cage. Yeah, no, I'd probably, oh, based shit. on what you're telling me, I'd probably like it. I, I thought of you watching it. Well, or you should just watch. And I mean, then, like. Adam Meanwhile, Sandler. I definitely like uh yeah, like fucking Blue Ruin and shit and uh, Green Room. Green Room. I recently rewatched that, and that's sort of gotten us on that uh, of of scary movies. Yeah, Green Room is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, Green Room's fun as shit. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Yeah, um, no, it was a really good movie. Um, Captain and the Game Master has a funny I name. Said- Matt, you should bleep out every time I say N in Captain N, the Game Master. Um, yeah, no, like weird 80s cartoon that like Nintendo sponsored to dump off their lame characters that wouldn't go on uh, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Kind of sucks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I've also been listening to a song called the theme song of Spirit Halloween. I've been addicted to that. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've been trying to think of a spirit Halloween economy, based economy. Um, Well, like Halloween in January from the Sad Horse Show? No, no, no. Just that every holiday has a spirit Halloween, but like a spirit different thing that inhabits the old, um, like, buildings that Amazon put out of business. Word. And so, like, you know, Spirit Halloween, like, takes control of, like, all the Barnes and Noble that are put out of business every October. And then those buildings transition into Christmas buildings. Or divide it up by town and mm. have it like the Nightmare Before Christmas, where you'll have... Like, How would that work? Like, at each town, their abandoned strip malls are all given to one holiday year-round. So you have Christmas Town, Halloween Town. <laughs> but but those people wouldn't... What would they do for the rest Christmas of the year? Christmas Town, Halloween uh, Town. Hope that they make enough money town. during their respective Easter. holidays. <laughs> so it's like their harvest season. They have yeah. one harvest season. And it's where they harvest. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck does <laughs> so Santa do? they have do? one harvest season. I mean, where- yeah, Christmas Town, they just make toys, I assume. <laughs> Get ready for the next... Christmas. What does uh, what does the fucking fireworks obviously make fireworks? <laughs> Easy. conquer the other towns uh, through their <laughs> weapons manufacturing. What does now? Are we including? Are we including? Um. Oh well, yes, I said Christmas holidays. town. Like so, yeah, because we're including Christmas town. Are we having a Hanukkah uh, town? Or and well, or definitely we Easter, Easter town. Then I'm asking, are we having a Passover town? Which I think <laughs> could be great. Yeah. <laughs> Han- Hanukkah town. Um, Hanukkah but we town. should definitely have a. But then, what about Purim town and Purim town and Halloween town <laughs> are in direct conflict? Yeah. But Purim Town, they're all adults. Because we don't want Purim to be in a... We don't want them to be in a small subsection of Halloween Town, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm imagining all of these also have the word spirit in front of it. Spirit Purim. Yeah. Spirit um, Christmas. Spirit Halloween. Um, And spirit just becomes a a conglomerate. Spirit Ramadan. (laughs) That that it, it just becomes like a conglomeration that uh, like firebombs Amazon um, workers to drive up their profit for local ind- for local business like as the last local business. There I go driving away on my motorcycle again. Um, yeah, the, last the spirit, local. the spirit of the last local business. Ooh. Ooh. I'm the so like Mark said, a specter is ha- haunting Europe. A specter of Christmas. 
throw in some Ooh. Halloween effect there. Ooh, Spectre. A specter of Christmas. <laughs> Ooh, Groundhog Day Town. <laughs> okay, Wait, did you know that literally you, exists and it's called Puxatani? Did you did you know that uh, De Blasio is the only mayor to have killed? <laughs> He, ground, he killed, he the, killed groundhog. the groundhog. He dropped it on Groundhog Day, and three days died. He died about from that. trauma. Thank yeah. you for calling Listen, attention. De Blasio is sure Groundhog killer. I, I came across I came across this YouTube uh, uh, analysis of Groundhog Day, which was like pretty good overall. Like it was like just you know, breaking down the themes and shit. It wasn't given some dumbass theory about it being purgatory or whatever that no one cares about. Um, but the uh, guy was British and he just sort of like offhandedly assumed that Groundhog Day was a made up thing for the purposes of the film. Mm. <laughs> like because, And I mean, he made some good points because it's like, yeah, no, I mean, obviously... If this this could easily be a Christmas movie, it would be a Christmas Carol ripoff. Um, but it could easily be a Christmas movie, uh, and everyone would see like, oh, this is like Christmas Carol, and by changing it to Groundhog Day, it kind of abstracts it and also drives the point home that you know some people do derive deep meaning from Christmas, be that religious or like heavily family nostalgic. But with um, with Groundhog Day, like no one really derives that kind of meaning so it can kind of be abstracted and yeah he okay. made a good point about it but he 100% assumed that Groundhog Day was a made up holiday for the purpose of the movie Groundhog Day which I thought was adorable <laughs> I, I like that it. de Blasio was I like standing it. on a I assume a, a riser and he's so tall. Yeah, he's like Isn't seven he tall already? What? I didn't realize Phil died from that. Yeah. Sure. He he's he's like seven feet tall and he was on a riser, so the the, the <laughs> groundhog dropped like twenty-seven fucking feet. It was feet. like a skyscraper. It was like a groundhog skyscraper. <laughs> oh my god, it's just like me? fucking Monty Python exploded like a <laughs> balloon full of meat. Oh my god. Oh that's so uh, funny. Uh, 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 there, no, there was like a perfectly shaped uh groundhog shaped uh hole left in the stage <laughs> yeah oh, that's that's fine i did not realize he fucking dropped there he killed the groundhog i, I remember he, he dropped, dropped it. he dropped the groundhog and then it died three days later from i mean still like all related trauma yeah i guess if you're a groundhog and you spend your life underground your body's probably not built to fall from any great heights it's probably not a... Because I was thinking, like, a cat, I mean, would be fine. A dog would be fine. But yeah, I guess groundhogs are specifically we two heights. Here it is. Uh, groundhog died... <laughs> New York Mayor Bill de Blasio yeah, dropped so it. Funny. Her shadow was one of the last. That's <laughs> 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 oh, so fucking hilarious. Oh ground. my god, that writer needs a Pulitzer. You should get that writer to interview you. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's that's like the best journalist. Wait, okay, ever. Here's, here's the New York Post zoo cover up after Groundhog <laughs> Drop by de Blasio. <laughs> So wait, was it like some knockoff like Rob <laughs> Zoo uh, groundhog and not actually? It was the Staten Island Zoo. Okay, yeah, no one gives a shit. The best that. of all the possible. Yeah, no, Puxatani um, is obviously. Oh, oh my God! Here's the picture. Oh, the picture's so good. Look at this picture. I'm sending it there. Oh man. Um. Yeah, but um. It's. Yeah, no, I remember <laughs> when that happened. The groundhog did not realize the groundhog died. Oh, this makes me sad. And the groundhog died a week later, and then the zoo covered it up. <laughs> I hate that the zoo well, I mean, covered it up. If you are the keeper of a magical uh, groundhog, isn't your main photo. job to like gloss over the fact when it dies and you replace it with a new one? Like, I feel like that's, you know, always the fiction we always play along to. 
the um, magical divining groundhogs that we as an American culture have. Yeah, the shadow was the last thing. That's so fucking funny. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, I think we so, should go out on that, guys. Captain Bleep and the Game Master. Right. See ya. Bye. Till Halloween. Right. Bye. Ooh. Bye. Spirit of Halloween. Put that in the map. It was out on yeah. Monster Mash Ooh. or some shit like that. It was the Monster Mash. God damn it, Marlo. <laughs> yeah. Is that Frankie Stein on Smash? I was working in the lab late one night. For monsters from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise Sack of 